I'm Jem from Frost. Hello, I'm John from Frost. Hi, I'm Nathan from Frost. And the three of us are from Frost and you are listening to the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the broadcast and I'm super happy to have the whole band of Frost calling from the UK today. Uh, returning John Mitchell, guitarist and singer and uh, for the first time Jem Godfrey and Nathan King. And the fourth Frost album just dropped. It's called Day and Age and I'm super curious uh what was different to the previous three albums in the frost world uh in the uh becoming of day and age when when you were perceiving it and and guiding it into this world um we well there's a few things were different the first thing first time is is this is the first album we've ever had done where we've actually got a song where all three of us have written it which is very exciting And uh, aside from that, the other thing was that the majority of it's written by John and myself. And I think the third thing was that we recorded a lot of it on location. We, we got out of our own studios and we got out into the world and we took a little mobile recording studio with us and a laptop. And we rented a couple of places and we'd set up a sort of studio for a week. <clears throat> and we would literally just try and write a song a day and, and record as we wrote. You know, so it's actually... Whereas previously, you know, we'd go into a studio or, you know, the, the drums would be in a place or we'd go to another place to do vocals or we'd write at each other's studios. This was this was a, entirely a kind of, or largely, I should say, um, a kind of external experience. And it was it was it was it was really good to do that because it kind of took us all out of our comfort zones a little bit. And I think I think it 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 focused us quite a lot because we had no outside distractions. And I think we we it. The, the kind of environments we were in uh, informed the songs that we wrote. So it was actually very exciting. Um, so yeah, the, the, the intro, of course, uh, will turn some heads as the, the, the starting the, with the title track, um, which was also the first single, I think, or was it the second? Anyway, there, there is a, it was a single and there, there, there was a funny uh, animated music video clip that came with it. But uh First of all, it was a single edit of a 10-minute song. And secondly, there was this little introductory voice that you uh, also edited out for the single release. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm especially interested how, who, did, who, who did the decision to, to make this a single because I think, you know, as a progger, as a prog music lover, it, it's... Kind of weird to to um, yeah to hide the interesting second part of the song. <laughs> well, I think it it uh, we, for us the choruses were the strongest bits about it. You know that's what we liked about it, and I think it does work as a as a four minute single. It was just quite interesting that that um, uh, it was it was we we wanted to open with terrestrial because we thought as the first single because that was kind of more sort of frosty in its in its sort of presentation and I think we didn't want to we didn't want to also play our hand to it with what, what we had planned and how the album is actually sounding so it kind of made sense to 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 turn day and age into a shorter song because it's you know it's still I think there's as I say you know the, the 
the choruses are the are the strong points of that, and and we managed to get three of them in in a four minute space. So I think <laughs> it it still works well, and I think then hopefully you buy the album and you realise that you've only actually heard forty percent of it, which is quite funny. We thought. <laughs> See that is very good value for money in real terms. <laughs> and and uh, well, this this chorus that works so well, it also it reappears at the end of the album, right? Um, so you get even more of it. <laughs> well, you know they say, "Don't bore us, get to the chorus," right? <laughs> it's, it's a good chorus, I think. No, it's it's um yeah, I I think with that song certainly we knew that when we did it. Um, I, mean, I remember saying to Jamie, he said, "Well, this is good. It's a good starting point, but there was always going to be a lot longer." And um, interestingly, the thing I like about it is is it doesn't actually deviate from from the root key of the song. It kind of stays even sort of, and well, it does towards the end of it, but it just changes atmosphere and, and the sort of, you know, the, the sound design changes around it. It's still going in E flat. And yeah, it's it's kind of, it's proggy, but and one of the things that you, you may or may not have noticed is that there are no synth solos or guitar solos, apart from one tiny little bit at the end of Day and Age and one tiny little bit at the end of Kill the Orchestra. We wanted to make sure that, we kind of wanted to sort of get away from that sort of whole, dextrosity for the sake of it you know and, and let the atmospheres and the sort of moods of the songs inform what the songs are about as well as you know the message of the songs but you know um some people are always going to go where are the solos and they go come on you're not 12. <laughs> it's not the <laughs> 80s uh, anymore dexterity <laughs> I know. I said the moment I said it, I thought Dex, like Dextro's oh, energy. No, you know those tablets. It's Dextro's. That's what it is. It's, it's somebody's had too much Dextro. Too much. I've had, I've had too much uh, glucose. That's what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Dexterity. Sorry. Yeah, we just. Oh, I like Dextrosity. I'm using that. That's brilliant. You know, we, we, we yeah, we 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 did an album with lots of. You know, we've we've done the whole playing very fast thing. We've done that a lot. We just wanted to sort of do an album when it didn't rely so much upon that because um, it's um. You know, it's just a, it's just a different thing. So yeah, um, uh, Jem already was was uh, saying it uh, right at the beginning that that you guys, all of you, were had had equal parts in songwriting, or more or less in this time around. And um, well, no, it's, I, I will interject. No, it's mainly Jem and John. I had a, a very small part. But but you you were involved with that's, the songwriting. That's a different well. story. Uh, but uh, no, it's mainly Jim and John. You know the the creative guys behind it. So uh, yeah, I, I can't take that accolade. I'm afraid. <laughs> that's all right. Um, my my question would be um, when when you guys start out um, with a blank page like for a new song, uh, what with with what element would you start usually is it is it melody is it a little melody is it more more like a harmonic chord progression is it more the mood um or the or rhythm is is there any anything that you would say comes first when you when you approach a new song john what do you reckon well i mean the way we took when we when we started this i mean i was very um I was kind of, well, I was quite aware. I was, I, I, it's, it's like a new thing. I mean, we did um, Heartstrings and Signs on the on the previous album, which we did together at Jem's uh, place. I was kind of very aware of the fact that, you know, how is this going to work? You know, it's a new experience. When you write with people, it doesn't necessarily always work. You know, I 
tried writing some songs with John Wetton once and that didn't go brilliantly. Um, but I think we both understood it wasn't going brilliantly. Anyway, um, yeah, well, it would, normally I'd get up in the morning and start making breakfast and, 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 and Jen would just start um, having a, 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 a little noodle, as we say in English, on the piano. And uh, occasionally I'd hear something, what, what, what about that? Keep playing that or whatever. And then I'd sort of rush next door and grab the lyric book and start, you know, coming up with an idea for that. And it's kind of, you know, it was, um, I, you know, Jem's very good at sort of pulling things out of thin air and getting the ball rolling. So that was kind of, it normally start with like a chord progression. And then a, as soon as we humanly could, once we had the basic sort of structure of what it was, I try and get a vocal down. I think it's very important. It's like the coat hook upon which you hang the rest of the song around, you know. So that was kind of, Normally, that's the way it, the, 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 the creative process went, as it were. Day and Age was also a little bit different to the previous albums uh, in terms of drummers. Uh, what can you tell us about the drummer situation in Frost and uh, yeah, the drummers that we can hear on Day and Age? Well, after we had Craig destroyed, uh, we realized that there were... Um, as a sort of there was an opportunity <clears throat> to um to do things differently and what was interesting is we could obviously what we what probably the normal response would have been would have been oh we'll just get somebody else in but actually what we thought about was actually this is a good opportunity because we were looking to change the sound of the band anyway a little bit we had quite a specific idea that we didn't want to uh repeat ourselves again um and so The idea of having three different drummers was quite good because it meant that we, we had freedom to write in certain styles that perhaps we wouldn't have been able to write with either of our two previous drummers um, because they were both very technical and sometimes uh, what you need for a song is is just straight 4-4, four, four, you know, or just a massive, a huge backbeat. And and that's why we, we're big fans of of Mr. Mr. And, you know, we've always loved Pat Masolotta. He's just so cool. He's like Mr. Cool. He's, you look at these videos of him and, and Mr. Mr. in the 80s and they're playing next to this beach and it's just, there's there's sunshine and Simmons drums and it's just brilliant. And so it kind of, he was he was definitely on our list and and um, John John bumped into him. We did, we did Cruise to the Edge in 2019, I think it was. And John bumped into me in, in, in a lift, but John was so so uh, crippled with sunburn that he, uh, Pat sort of went, oh, I just seen you guys, we've seen you guys on the pool stage. And John was like, yeah, yeah, what for, yeah, thanks, see ya. Because obviously his legs were on fire. And so it was kind of like, it was, it was but we've always been huge fans. So it, it, was a, it was an opportunity for us to kind of get back in there and go, oh, you, it's John, you met John in the lift and, you know, hi. And, and then we, we sort of struck up a conversation. And he was, you know, he was delighted to, well, I say delighted. Um, he was pleased to be involved. <laughs> and he did a brilliant job. He did an absolutely brilliant job. And he's a lovely guy, a really lovely guy. And then with the other two, it was just sort of a, a sense that, you know, there was obviously some elements of the Frost set sound that needed uh, a kind of a slightly more intricate way of, of doing things. And again, it was, it was um, they bring something slightly different to, to things. Kaz Rodriguez is, um, he's actually a very, very, sort of he's a very good songwriter he writes he writes these he writes what i call frost chords he's a lot of his music has these chords that i really like and really resonate with and his playing is really inventive and fresh and he uh he, he's quite an attacking drummer but he's very very he's very very sort of precise and and the songs like day and age were perfect for what for what he did and darby is kind of a bit more of your old school he's a bit like animal from the muppets <laughs> um 
So he kind of, he, he had that element of, of aggression, you know, and that's why songs like Terrestrial, he's perfect for that. So it was really just a chance for us to, to, to have, have a bit of fun with the sound of it. And I think with this album, the drums, I, I think of them, they're pretty much pop, the vocals, they're like the lead instrument. We push them really forwards and we put them in a very sort of good room space. So they sounded as, as big as they possibly could. And it's kind of, I think it, it means that there was less space for us to all whittle about. So the songs are more concise in terms of, of how we structured them arrangement wise. And I think for the next album, I don't know what we'll do. We'll probably have these three destroyed and find three new ones. <laughs> three um, for one office at, down at Amazon, though. That's the most. <laughs> um, talking about you, you, you don't want to repeat yourselves. Um, almost a year ago, you you released the EP, the others EP, and uh, I, I had the feeling that. This also had very, very particular and different sound. Um, so when these songs were written and recorded for the others EP, um, where, from which time frame did they come, and when did you write and record a day and age? How how did this uh, kind of timeline uh, go down? John, anyone want that one, Dave? Yeah, the laugh. No, well, you know all about that, Jim. Well, others, I'll, I'll I'll do that bit, and then John can take over the day and age. I, I the other, other thing was was um, they were done in 2016. They were written in 2016. They were off cuts from Falling Satellites. All right. Originally, the plan was it was going to be a double album, but I my kind of idea my 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 thought really is that double albums generally are overblown and and overlong and not really very good. So I thought it'd be better to just to squeeze everything into a really concise 55-minute album. So as a result, there were about six or seven songs that didn't didn't get finished. So they just sat on a hard drive for two years. And then I was um, listening through them, actually, while I was thinking about, you know, getting started with the fourth album. And I thought, actually, these are really good. These, are, these deserve to be put out there. And I've always wanted to do an EP. Frost has never kind of done an EP. It's one of those box-ticking things. So I kind of, a six-track EP seemed like a very good idea. And because they were largely written already and Craig had already done the drum sessions for them because he played them when we did the, the Falling Satellite stuff. So I had the drums. So it's just a question of just filling everything else out. So it didn't take very long. And, and it was a nice kind of, um, a nice filler because we hadn't released anything for sort of four years. And then by the time that was done, that was kind of being released, but we'd already started to, to, to plan album four and how we would write it and this is when my colleague in rock john mitchell takes over the story and we recorded the first well the first writing session was in september in 2019 in cornwall which is a small part of england right at the end of the foot and we recorded that and we spent i think six days and we came away with five song ideas um three of which appear on the the album and then the second writing session was in february in 2020 just before uh world war three uh, <laughs> sorry the pandemic and um yeah we kind of that was in dungeness which is a small um uh it's right on the south coast of england it's a small spit of land and we recorded that in in a sort well wrote and recorded it in a coast guards lookout tower which was about 20 meters from the sea wow. um it's a very bleak place to be writing music it's it's the only um desert in europe it's only cate category a desert in Europe, you know, it's not as you imagine it to be, but there was a nuclear power station to the right and there was a lighthouse to the left and we spent about a week there and 
we weren't necessarily quite as prolific the second time, but we did have a jolly fine time, and there was a lot. It was, it was very windswept, and um, I uh, lost my phone. And that's you lost your phone. Time. Yeah, you lost your phone. That's and... a good sign of a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a. Uh, yeah, we kind of uh, yeah. And then, funny enough, um, he, he lost his phone immediately, and he had to leave to go home. Um, and then immediately later that evening, we got a mysterious knock at this at the door of, and with who the hell is that? And don't forget, we this is along a three mile stretch of beach. And Nathan had lost his phone somewhere. You no, know, what are the chances of finding his phone? And a little lady came to the door and said, "Look, I found a phone. I presume it belongs to you." He'd already <laughs> gone on Amazon or whatever and got another one. And uh, yeah, so now he's got two phones. <laughs> two Jags Prescott, two phones King. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, and that's and you know, and that, that we we had two songs from that session, and we did uh, have a third one which didn't get. There's a few things that we haven't ended up using on these two writing sessions. Um, so yeah, that that that's uh, comprised the bulk of the album, those five songs, and then uh, uh, Kill the Orchestra and the man, Boy You Said Still and waiting for the lie with, with gem sort of solitary compositions so yeah it's um yeah it's a very enjoyable experience those two writing sessions it's uh you know it's just like going on holiday with a mate you know and um, <laughs> having too much fun if you know what i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> product production wise when i when i listen to um to the others ep and day and age i think they're they're like they they really really sound very very different And 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 I for one I have to admit or I have to say that that I had I, I'm having troubles listening to to the others EP because it it has like like a very very harsh and abrasive sound. Um, so I'm I'm assuming being the pros that you are, um, this was all on purpose and uh, like it it was uh, done with a sort of intent behind it, right? No, probably not. <laughs> uh, no, not. I, uh, the other EP was done in a bit of a hurry, so I think it was probably a little bit of because it was all to do with delivering it for the box set. So um, it kind of, it, I would, I mean, the second album is is quite. I think is also quite a harsh sound. You know, sometimes it's they were sort of designed to be. Um, I, I suppose it, I, because it's an EP, I, I kind of don't really count it. I forget it, it exists. I think think of it's the four albums, and there's like, oh yeah, there's that as well. I don't know. It was just it was just a kind of a record of those songs, and, and I wanted to get them out. So there was there was obviously there was a huge amount of care and attention paid to all six of them. But um, yeah, maybe just a maybe just a preempt. I don't know. <laughs> it could be anything, isn't it? Really? But I know. We did say that the this album here is, is possibly sort of more um, sort of organic sounding. You know, not, not even though the production value still there was a lot of little sound design things going on. It does sound very warm sounding. I, I like the uh, the way it is, and yeah. it hasn't. I don't from what you know, looking at it as I because obviously being the nerd that I am, running it through the phase meter, it hasn't been ragged. When I say ragged, I mean you know, a lot of times there was a thing certainly in around the sort of you know, from the late 90s onwards, the trend to uh, to crank the limiter, and that gives you a certain amount of harshness and the, the cymbals get very brittle sounding. But with this album, it's got a very warm sound to it. And I'm, yeah, I, uh, fully in favor. That'll be it, I overcompressed it. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> I grasped you right up. Jem, <laughs> uh, uh, you just mentioned the, the box set, which of course also was released last year. Um, 
and it was a huge one. It was uh, quite all-encompassing uh, of all things Frost so far. Um, so, so yeah, who who came up with the idea, and and how did you go about putting putting this together? The idea came from Thomas Barber at Inside Out. Actually, it was a rec- it's a record company uh, idea um, because we'd got to the end of our three album deal finally after fifteen years, and uh, it was a qu- he sort of wanted to bring some things together to sort of draw a line under the, that first era of the band because he knew that we had plans to change the sound a bit. And I think he sort of said, this is a nice way just to kind of wrap everything up. So we've got the three albums, obviously, there's the uh, other EP, there's our gig at Dingwalls, which we did in 2017, unbelievably. Um, and I think there's a B-sides thing and an instrumental of Falling Satellite. So it was just kind of on uh, uh, the Ross Fest gig we did. So it was just to sort of, just to try and bring together a little sort of audio history of, of where we'd been, because some of those albums were out of print as well by that point. Um, yeah, so it was a company. I mean, I wanted to call it contractually obligated album, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> Money for old rope. <laughs> um, looking back at the Frost history um, that is comprised in the 13 Winters box set, looking at your debut album, Million Town, um, and after that came the experiments in Mass Appeal. Do, do, in retrospect, do you guys think the experiments worked or not? Uh, yeah, I do. I do because it, the idea was, was that's the title. I mean, the concept was the title. It was it was you know a sort of a set of songs that that were designed to kind of try different things out. You know, we, we kind of it was that um, I was kind of wanted to, again, deconstruct where we'd come from with the kind of grandiose million town kind of sound. And uh, interestingly, there was, what was funny about that is that album did, actually did really well in America. College Rock jumped all over it. Dream Theater played it on their world tour before every single gig of the world tour. <clears throat> um, it actually was quite successful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then with the box set version, I, I've stripped a lot of things out and sort of tried to back off the compression and, and make it a bit more, make it a little bit less harsh. But um, yeah, well, it was it was it was that thing of, of we'd finished Million Town. It was it was it had done really really well, and kind of everyone was like, "Hang on, this is really good. We've not heard this before." So of course, me being me, everyone's going, "Well, we we want Million Town too." I'm going, "No, nah, that ain't going to happen." <laughs> so we went a different direction, and I'm really glad we did actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to mention any prog bands out there, but there is a habit in prog, you know. Yeah, ground prog oh, day. Back the same album again and again and again. <laughs> Keep playing the Mellotron. Keep doing that. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> ground prog day. I have to to um. Yeah, I will. Yeah, you learned something here today. I, yeah, the, I, the art I, of repeating yourself. I will write that one down. I will never forget <laughs> this. Um. Great. Before we uh, do a little um, our, our little ending section, and that's gonna be fun. I want to maybe give the spotlight for a minute or two to over to John because uh, uh, you have uh, a couple of other uh, projects and 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 stuff that was released <laughs> um, and that might be released soon. So you wanna talk about that quickly? I mean, there were the It Bites uh, re-releases. 
Yeah. Well, um, contractual <laughs> obligation album number two. <laughs> oh, uh, that's that's what that is. Um, yeah. Ran out of licensing period. Wanted to uh, re-release it. So, yeah. And they're out there. I'm, I'm fond of the second album, Map of the Past. Don't really like the first one, the Tall Ships. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> All right, that, that 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 was quick. And um, <laughs> any news from the arena camp? Uh, no, no, <laughs> none. Okay. Absolutely none. Next, next, <laughs> next. So yeah, my next question is: um, What's in your Walkman? Our little ending section where we ask our guests what they've been listening to lately. To go up to my loft and find it from the 1985 box, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jem is running somewhere. Um, maybe Nathan, you can you can start if you want. Uh... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you know, funnily enough, um, I, I I really enjoy the the Dua Lipa stuff, the the latest record that she's done. I think the yeah. production on that is yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, are you digging that? And, yeah, no, um, I was asked the other day about that, and I really like that record. And, and the really songwriting, well. uh, songwriting thing's fantastic as well. So this is obviously some young guys coming up that really know how to write great songs and, and make them sound really good. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been checking out recently. It's been very impressive. <laughs> Finally, enough, you're not the the first one to uh, to mention Dua Lipa here in the podcast. The 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 other one was Adam Warren from Kairos. Um, mm -hmm who is also digging the Dua Lipa stuff a lot. Oh, he fancies her as well, does he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, probably. Apparently, yeah. But it's no, it's the music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, Jim what, what, what have you uh, brought with you? What's in my Walkman, you say? What's oh. in my Walkman? Oh, I got that one as well. What could this be? Uh, Why it? Clutching at straws by the popular band Marillion. <clears throat> oh wow, nice! <laughs> and five-piece beat combo from the eighties, nineties, <laughs> and the noughties. What have I been listening to? I've actually been listening to what have I been listening to? I've been listening to uh, so much stuff. I mean, I kind of pop's got some good pop out there at the moment. I quite quite like what Harry Styles is doing. That's quite interesting. Um. There's, oh, I can't remember the band. There's a brilliant band called just like Shotgun Wedding or something. John would know where that is. I've kind of, I don't know. I sort of, I've been going through. What I did actually do is I found my old iTunes account and 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 discovered there's about ten thousand songs in that. So I've been sort of slowly going through that actually. And um, I've kind of weirdly, I've 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 become a bit fixated with Keen. So I was listening to those albums from 2002, 2003. Um, Brilliant songwriting. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of it, there's it, there's always a radio one in the house, so there's always kind of music going on. But it's 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 uh, I can't think of anything specifically that's that's really floated my boat of late. What was that band, John? The, the was it the Wedding in Vegas or Shotgun Wedding or something? What? Oh, what Bono's son? Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, it's Bono's kid. Yeah, that was. What are they called? Hang on, hold on. If only there was some portal of information I could consult right now. <laughs> um. The band is called Inhaler, and and yeah, um, and Ice Cream Sunday is the single that we liked, and that the video was shot in Vegas with that guy dressed as the devil. Very cool band. I'm with yeah. Sorry, that's what that was. <laughs> cool. Got to check that out. 
John, what about you? you well, also- on my Walkman, <laughs> hey! I, I've been playing a band which I'm absolutely in love with, even though they're, they're very retrospective. And obviously, this whole thing, I've been shunning the notion of repeating oneself. But this is a band called The Midnight. Oh, the yeah. Called, yeah, so the album's called Monsters. And that I bought on cassette at their gig at the Roundhouse last year or the year before. So I love that. And uh, um, the other thing I bought a couple of days ago, which I've been listening to fairly uh, well, quite a lot, is this thing. So not my Walkman, but this is uh, an album, uh, very uh, not a very successful album by the Bee Gees, but it's called Odessa, Odessa, and it's in the sort of late 60s, early 70s period before they went all disco. And it's very interesting. It's a double album, and it's very weird, and I love it. Nice. Yeah. Weird, so- <laughs> weird sounds good. I-, I got two two entries into our What's in Your Walkman section uh, today, and that is two very, very fresh releases that are actually coming out um, when when this episode is going to drop on Thursday, one day after, on Friday, uh, 21st of May. There's a new Vola album, the band Vola from Denmark, uh, Witness. Uh, I just listened to the promo a couple of times the last days, and it's it's absolutely killer. Uh, no doubt about that. And they're, they're the... Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're gonna go far, and they are already making huge waves in the prog scene. Um, a very different album that that is uh, gonna come out on June 4th is from a from an Icelandic band called Ask the Slave, and the album's called Good Things Bad People. Is the original rock band from our studio vocalist uh, Ragnar Olafsson, and it's super crazy stuff. It reminds me a lot of 90s King Crimson. Um, Crazy, crazy stuff that's a lot of fun. Those two albums would be my recommendations to check out in the coming weeks when they uh, drop. And of course, the new Frost album that's already out, Day and Age. Jem, John, and Nathan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, all the best with all of your project in- projects, including Frost. And... Um, to you guys out there as always thank you for listening um take care of yourselves take care of your loved ones and keep on listening to great music and don't forget enjoy yourselves you scum Progcast is a Stuist Media podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Progcast Podcast. To learn more about Stuist Media, check out stuistmedia.com. Progcast is hosted and produced by Dario Albrecht and myself, Randy M. Salo, and is co-produced by Janine Stengel-Lewis and Blake Lewis. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant. New episodes of Progcast drop every Monday and Thursday. See you next time, Prog fam. Progcast.